mainframe. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mainframe Podcast. We're your hosts, Demont and Onwith, and thank you for tuning in to the seventh episode of our podcast. And wrapping up Techtober, we have some major silicon announcements that are going to change the industry for the foreseeable future. And guys, we apologize. It's been quite a bit since our last episode. We just had a lot of work and a lot of things to deal with. But let's get right into some silicon news. The latest Apple event took place on Monday, October 18th, where we received major news surrounding the new MacBook Pro, AirPods 3, and more. And like previous Apple events, this new uh, this unleashed event was virtual and broadcast from Apple Park. And with all the rumored devices that might materialize before the end of the year, exciting times are ahead for Apple fans, but it's a lot to keep track of. So we've outlined everything you need to know and what could be announced at the next Apple, next Apple event. So the first thing, the first major, major product that was revealed was the MacBook Pro 14 inch for the 20 for the 2021 model. And this is a game changer because they completely revamped the hardware of this computer and released two new silicons, the M1 Pro and the M1 Max, which are revolutionizing the industry in terms of their specs and speeds in comparison to any other Intel processing chip. And so Ahmed, I would like to like, first off, what was your initial impression when you heard of the new MacBook Pro release um, at this Apple event. Well, Deepon, my first impression was that they actually labeled their graphs in the keynote this time. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually put the labels for like, they still use relative performance, quote unquote. And then at least yeah. they showed what they were comparing the performance against. They put like some Asus or um, uh, MS, MSI laptops that they compared it to. And from the looks of it, it's, the power of this of these new silicon is actually very impressive. I also watched some reviews to see the hands-on product and see how it compares in the real life. And it's very accurate, similar to their M1 release last year. So I was just like, what I think is really revolutionary is the M1 Pro chip, right? Because not many people are gonna spring for the M1 Max, like with it being over $3,000. It's not very attainable for the average consumer. I'm, pre- I'm sure that you would agree and many others would agree. Yeah, of course. So I think the M1 Pro is what most people will get and what I think is actually the most interesting, right? Like in the keynote, they mentioned like that base price was $19.99. That's really expensive. And they said that it was gonna be a 10 core chip with a 16 core GPU. That would be the base model. But when I actually, when I actually looked to buy one of these, the base was an eight core CPU and a 14 core GPU. They had two bin CPU cores and two bin GPU cores, which is actually really confusing. For, $19.99, you're paying essentially the same thing as a $1,300 M1 MacBook MacBook Pro, but you get just a few more GPU cores. What do you think about that, Diva? Right. right, yeah, that's what I was wondering that too, but then we have to look at like, I guess the time period in the Apple like software, right? With this new, these new like advanced chips, right? What they've done is they've created increased optimization within the chip, as opposed to what was previously not possible with the M1 the regular m1 chip and like what i really wanted to like focus on is like they 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 showed like this increase in i guess like performance even though they've only like they really haven't changed the number of cores in the cpu itself which is showing like optimize how like crucial optimization has become in these laptops right when you look at like i guess their competitors right look at like all these different like windows computers None of them are like properly optimized because they're taking all these different parts from different sources and putting them together in one form factor without proper optimization, which is resulting in worse performance compared to these revolutionizing new chips within the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. And I just, I just 
I'm struggling to find, like, figure out, like, how the competition will keep up with these new, with these new chips. And here we go again with the same common theme. Apple, the tight integration that they have between hardware, software, like, like they stream, they have so much vertical integration that they, like, their ecosystem is on, like, a different level, right? They're, they design their chips for their software, they design the software for their chips, and they put it all in a thermal envelope that works. It's cooled properly, it looks decent. Uh, we'll talk about the design later. But also like to talk about the 8-core CPU on the base model 14-inch MacBook Pro, I feel like we've been just looking at Apple in a vacuum, right? And that's just not the case in real world, real world scenarios. Like in reality, we're, we have a chip shortage in the world, silicon shortage. The thing is, like Intel, like when they have so many chips, like you know, chips is a very manufacturing chips is a very in- inefficient process. Like there's like yeah, really. probably a five percent yield rate for like all their chips that they make, and it like Intel, they have so many different like distributors that they use. But Apple, they only have this 14-inch MacBook Pro, 16-inch MacBook Pro that they can fit this stuff in. So obviously, like with some of the cores like become, being defective, they'll just bin it and sell with the eight-core CPU and the 14-core GPU. Like it's just purely an economical stance, right? Like they're trying to take a greener approach. By 2030, they aim to be carbon neutral. And like, I guess this is just another step for them to take. That's what I was thinking. It really is. And like, if you like look at it in comparison, like I, I, I keep going back to this point, right? Um, the performance that Apple is achieving with these, um, I guess eight core CPUs is equivalent to like a 10 core um, CPU that an Intel processor would, would use, right? In order to keep it with the same performance because they're not all like, I guess they don't all have vertical integration like you said, right? But the thing is, this is, a, I feel like this is like, gonna be very problematic for like these other um, like computer manufacturing companies because in order to even match the performance, they're having to add extra cores and these extra cores are gonna increase the prices of their, um, I guess, of their product. And then when you're looking at it in comparison, price is like the biggest factor when determining, right? Like which product you want. And if they can't drop the price in order to match Apple's performance, I don't see how they're gonna keep up with the competition. Exactly, the thing is like Apple, look how long it took them to even start making their own chips, right? Like since when did have they started like making computers? Like the 1980s, I think? Like it's been almost 30, 40 years, almost basically 40 years, it's just in 2020 that they, started making their M1 chips. Almost 40 years of revenue built product, iteration of product, to establish enough revenue and profits to even fund this like research and development of this new silicon, right? So I think like other companies, they just don't have that like amount of volume, they're like, there's like their footprint on the world to even like get to this point, right? They have to like, just think about it logically, right? They have to create their own chassis, their own motherboards, their own chips, their own like RAM, everything. They have to craft everything themselves. And this isn't feasible for them to like even do that, right? That's what makes Apple truly unique. They create such a cohesive ecosystem that is like, once you're in it, like it's just pretty much impossible to break out, right? Like say for example, like Asus, they have their computer. The only thing that they make is the chassis. Like everything else is out, like outsourced. They have the, the chip comes from Intel or AMD. The RAM comes from like SK Hynix or any other RAM manufacturers. SD, uh, SSD comes from like uh, um, Toshiba or something like that. Like they're literally only making one part themselves. And like 
it's just foolish to think that they have they can even do that at this point in time they don't have the volume to even like think of start making their own chips or even have that same kind of vertical integration that apple has like they they've had this goal in mind since their inception of their computer they knew that they were going to do like even if you think about it in 2016 like their macbook pro it was like seriously underpowered in terms of like cooling intel chips right so like one of my theories behind that is that they actually meant to like this design was actually meant to house their own chips, right? They designed it for their own like power, but, and like their own, like the M1 chip, they're planning to release it back in 2016, but it just wasn't ready yet. So they had to fit Intel chips in it, which made them severely underpowered overheating, prone to overheating, and like just prone to like SSD failures and all that. So I think like they've had this goal in mind and they finally implemented it in a way that made them successful in the market. Yeah, that's true. And like, this like, brings up the point like in my head right do you think these other companies such as like dell or like hp are going to start um putting funding r d in order to paint their own chips so they can reach the same level of uh, i guess like cohesiveness that apple does with their products what do you think about that so the, i'm thinking they definitely thought of it right like they've seen the success that apple has had over the past year like the m1 macbook pro they've sold like crazy especially the macbook air like anything with the m1 they've sold like crazy and they've seen like how much potential there is for like this vertical integration, but they're not at that point. They're, they don't have enough fun. Like my theory is that they don't have enough funding to do it at this point. Cause if they did, they would have already started, right? Like it's been a couple of years since like Apple has been um, hyped to release their new uh, silicon. And they probably have thought of that, like try to put some money into R&D, but they spent over a billion dollars just to like research and develop their initial prototype of the M1 chip. Just imagine how much it would cost to like create the manufacturing. Like, you know, it's very expensive to manufacture chips, as I mentioned with the yield rates and stuff. And the thing is like, Apple's not out like giving their chips out to anyone. They're just keeping it in-house in only two models. So that just shows like how much variability there is between the company. Like it's, it's, it's like about optimization, like you said, like, op like Apple optimized their company to have this vertical integration, but other companies, their business model is not like tuned for this, if that makes sense. Yeah, that is true, right? And then, like, it also brings up the point, right? Like, it's a, right now, like, due to, like, COVID supply chain issues and everything, right? We have a massive chip shortage, right? Yet, Apple's, like, in-house design of um, their M1 silicon, like, so far, I haven't heard any rumors about, like, production issues. Because, like, I know for a fact, like, I've seen the reports, there's extremely high demand for these new machines. Yet, there's no supply chain issues within Apple, and they're actually on pace to get everything like delivered on time which i found like very impressive considering how um scarce the resources to build silicon even are right now yeah i agree actually like from the reports i've seen like this chip shortage is expected to go even up to 2023 that's a whole additional year over a year of what we have right now we already had this chip shortage for almost like a year and a half basically since the start of covid 19 right Dimon? yeah yeah and then like i don't know how apple's like has this ability to make the impossible possible like i know like we sound like apple fanboys but like truly i am not an apple fanboy i'm just speaking it with the facts that that are presented here like they they did the impossible they're like they, if you think about it just like logically they have two models two two sets of chips with so many different um like options to add on like like 14 core gpu 16 core 24 core 32 core gpu like look at how many skews that they have and their ability to still meet demand 
right? Like they're still delivering all these products with like like you said, with the exceptional demand that's already been presented in the market. Which is like it's just mind-boggling for me. It's like even like wrap my head around the fact that they did this. It really is. And now I wanna st- I wanna get to like the whole design aspect, right? Because Apple every year they always like whatever whichever product they decide to release as like the top product of the year there's always some design change right that change creates a whole market trend in the market because of course they're the leaders in the industry and the first thing when you see these laptops that everyone notices immediately they brought the notch back they brought the notch into a computer right and me personally i don't think it's gonna be that big of an issue right because you generally don't have content in that region anyways but i'm just wondering like do you think this could have a cascading effect on the rest of the laptop market where they start designing their computers with the notches as well i personally don't think so right it's like super thin bezels have been a thing in the computer industry for i would say about three to four years now right like with the Dell XPS, they fit in their, I think it's like seven, it's nowhere near the same quality as the new camera on the MacBook Pro, but they were still able to fit in um, a camera. It's like a super thin bezel. Like you've seen like the Dell, I'm pretty sure you guys have all seen the Dell XPS devices. Their bezels are like hyper thin. And they're yeah, like I'm pretty sure they have the record for thinnest la- um, consumer laptop bezel, like portable laptop bezel in the world. Exactly. But- and they still still fit in the the um, the camera right so they put in the R&D to do that and then I don't think like they'll spend the extra R&D to follow like, the notch that Apple is going forward to and also like yeah, they use a the, window the I look at it the way I look at it is right if you've ever seen the Dell XPS like camera I'm telling you it's atrociously bad like it's something straight out of like a Nokia phone or something it's, the camera quality is that bad right and I don't think like as Cameras are getting so good, even within laptops nowadays. I don't think that's an acceptable standard anymore. But I just don't see how they're how these other companies are going to fit like high quality um, laptop cameras without the presence of like some sort of notch in order to accommodate for that bigger camera. Well, one thing that I can almost guarantee is that they won't follow the notch route, right? It's another thing about optimization. The optimization is becoming a key recurring theme in our podcast with tesla with apple with pretty much every successful company out there thing is apple op they chose to go to the um the notch because it's optimized for the operating system it, all it does is cut a little bit into the menu bar where you usually don't even have content there anyways but in windows that's free real estate like like the meme if you, if you will so like I, I don't think like windows users would be happy to see like literally a part of like a camera is cutting into their screen real estate, having like a little like thing wrapping around their windows and stuff. I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't have it. And I'm pretty sure like other people, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have it on your own Dell XPS, right, Dimon? Yeah. Like something um, cutting into your screen real estate. Like that essentially means that like your screen, like anything that like is above that notch is like wasted space now, right? Yeah, above like, the depth of the notch. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like because like Windows can't like wrap around it. Like if even if it does, like what purpose does that serve? Like you're still wasting it by having like a blank bar there, even if it does. Like it's just wasted real estate at that point. So I think they would just rather just have like a pop out notch, like I'm pretty sure like some other computers have, or put it like on the bottom of the screen, like I've seen in like the old Dell XPSs. Right, that that is true. Like, but then again, the, the whole idea of like a pop notch, it's also it also increases the price of the computer itself right which then again like 
If Apple sense that sets the trend that a notch is acceptable within these devices, then of course it's a money saving tactic for these other companies as well, right? Well, I guess so. But the thing is, like, well, you have to see how that like unfold, right? Because like yeah, we don't, don't know how the windows... technological advances of these cameras being able to be compact. Exactly, exactly. We don't we don't know that yet at this point in time. Like, and also like. It's just not just the company, like the laptop manufacturer that has to decide they want to put a notch in. They have to like essentially modify Windows, like the operating system, Windows 10 or Windows 11 to like accommodate that notch, right? So I don't know how far that would get. I think ultimately it would cost more for the user, like that, like waterfall costs. Like it would cost more for the user for them to implement that notch. And they personally wouldn't like it in the end anyways. So I think like they would they would obviously do the cost benefit analysis and see like what works, what doesn't work. And I, I look forward to like seeing how that plays out, to be honest. Yeah, that is true. I mean, yeah, I mean to be honest, like I don't I don't think the notch will be that, that big of a deal, but I guess in terms of other companies seeing this and following in suit, I guess that does make sense. But we never know, right? Like, cause like we we saw Samsung, right? They said, oh, they'll they'll never add like a notch or some sort of variant of a notch to their phones and work. Where does it go? Like basically a whole punch display, which is, I guess a, a smaller version of a notch, right? So I guess we never know. But <clears throat> I want to uh, also talk about like some of the other features that were released in this laptop. They brought the ports back. Guess what? They finally listened to the consumers. Something every business across the country should be doing. They took something away the consumers wanted, and they finally gave it back. Although, albeit like a couple of years later, but they actually listened to consumers this time. I feel like. One one thing that went one thing like major thought process that went into designing these laptops was keeping like the enthusiast in mind, right? We want to we if we can make the enthusiast happy, we can make the average person happy, and I think that was a really key point that Apple was trying to get across, and I think they finally did it. This is probably one of the best laptops, no, definitely the best laptop they've released in a long time, and largely due to them actually listening to consumer feedback. Exactly, they finally did the one thing almost every tech reviewer every any any like pro any normal person that 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 any person any rational person would want on their computer more ports more versatility that's what being a pro is being versatile and this macbook pro this new generation delivers on that albeit it only has like realistically all they've added is an sd card and um the hdmi port and we'll get to magsafe don't worry about that yeah, like <laughs> they've literally just added an HDMI port. Like honestly, I don't even know the last time I've used HDMI. All I've used is like Thunderbolt 3 displays. And the SD card, personally I don't use SD cards. Like they're known for being like very slow. But I guess like some video creators, they they use them, so I guess they won't there's included it. Personally, like I feel like this course thing is just a little bit overhyped and it is it is overhyped. Like think about it. If if Dell or HP did this, you know the number of number of products like a number of consumers they're losing just solely based on the fact that they release ports. Yeah, Apple can get away with it. It, it. it feels very like I don't like the idea that some of these companies can get away with something yet people are still buying their products like shoes. I guess it, exactly. it, it all exactly. comes down to brand loyalty at that point. Yeah, the thing is like if you look just like you can see this common theme in reviewers, right? Like tech reviewers. Like I would suggest that you guys take a look at them because if you, the common trend is that when it comes to other companies, they are hypercritical about it. And even with Apple, they're hypercritical. But when they like turn something to fix it, they like, they just 
they're blinded by what they gave and not what they took away, right? Like it's not like yeah, that. I when think, they do. I think that's you put that perfectly. They're blinded by by what they give, but not but they don't actually see what they give away. Exactly, exactly. Like they don't do that with the other manufacturers. They like they're hypercritical about it. But like I don't understand why the tech reviewers themselves are being are like acting this way. Like I personally don't like that. And I'm I'm sure that other people have seen this trend as well. And like like any rational person would also think so. Like they removed it in the first, they created the problem, then they delivered the solution. Like this is like exactly what you see in like movies, right? Yeah. Like what the villains in the movies do. They give the problem and then they give the solution. And I think like the tech reviewers, like almost everyone's being blinded by it. And I personally just wouldn't have it. But I'm happy with what they put out. But like you got to think in the first place that they're the one who did it to themselves. Right. And you know, you know, some funny things are like with regards to like I guess the whole like industry as a whole is that these other companies before they were making fun of the MacBooks, right? But they're not doing it anymore, which I find very, very hilarious, right? Before they're all they're all like use the MacBook as a comparison to say, oh look, ours is so much better than a MacBook, but you don't see any of these companies doing that anymore because they really can't, right? Because none of their products just aren't better. Like I don't think I've seen like a consumer laptop that can do as much as this as well as the new MacBooks do, which is really, as we said, the entire title of this video, revolutionizing the silicon industry right now. Yeah, like 100%. Like I also want to like touch back on like the MagSafe, right? Right, why, right. Why did they remove it in the first place? I know, it bro. Was, it's such a big one of the favorite. trademark features of a MacBook. When you think about MacBook, you think about it can never fall off your cable. Somebody kicks the cable. That's what they like, yeah, tailored so many ads to it. Why would they take it out in the first place? It's literally one of the trademark features. And it's, right, it's another, like, like my, it's my another sister, case my... of giving the problem and offering the solution. Like, that's it's just not. Like that's not how it's supposed to go. They're supposed to give the solution to problems that already exist, not to problems that they've created. Right. Like my my mom has like a 2014 MacBook and my mom my sister has a 2018 MacBook. It's so nice. Like when I plug it in where I can just use my mom's MagSafe, whereas my sister has to plug in the USB C. Like there's no there's really no rationale behind removing it. But I guess at least at least they're bringing it back. At least they're not like sticking with that theme, just like taking it away. Exactly. But, exactly. And they also like support faster charging or something i think that's really interesting right like normally on a laptop you don't like if you look at other like pc manufacturers they don't usually market like faster charging or like fast charging on their laptops it's kind of weird that like apple market it even though they have one of the best battery lives in the market right now like what do you think about that Demo? yeah i mean I think I think what I think what they're really doing right now is trying to push the rest of the industry, right? They're just they're just trying to say like, look, we gave you everything you could ever ever wanted. This is the perfect machine. I think they're really trying to stress. I think they're trying to get like all their like sales, like media, like they're trying to leave zero doubt within the consumers that they should buy this product, and it is working. I will say that because um, I have a Dell XPS right now, which I am using, right? The battery life is four hours on this computer. The new MacBook's 20 hours. And that, this, that's really like one of another really key selling point as to why I'm actually switching and selling my XPS in, in order to buy a 14 inch MacBook Pro. But um, yeah, no, I think, I think, it, I think it is a good idea for Apple to market for this, just to say like, we've hit every base you could have ever wanted. And it's funny because no, like all these like other companies and even Apple themselves in the past, right 
they fix one key component of their laptop and they leave the rest, right? But this year, they actually put in the effort to fix everything wrong with the computer, which I appreciate. That's perfectly said, Dima. This is the one time they actually finished the job, right? If you look right. from 2016 to 2019, what have they done? They made they made their trash keyboard a little less trash. And look what they did now. They took a trash computer and made it completely revolutionizing as the title of the video um, t- tends to. Also, I think like their screen is one of the biggest selling points of this laptop. Oh, you get 120 mini- hertz. 120 hertz, baby, and mini LED technology. It goes 1600 nits peak brightness. Just compare this to your phone, guys. Your iPhone 12 Pro, that goes 500 nits peak brightness. And the, and the, the nits is not like a linear like, uh, comparative measurement. It's actually logarithmic. So it gets exponentially brighter with uh, going up to 1600. Just think about it, 500, 1600 with logarithmic growth. That's insane brightness for like ultra, as they, as they mentioned, extreme dynamic rate, not just HDR, high dynamic extreme dynamic rate. I think the screen is like one of the main reasons I'm actually having 2020 and one MacBook Pro today's And I'm even switching to a 14 inch MacBook Pro, even though I don't I don't really need to. But I, I I'm just personally enticed by all the features that they've presented to I want to talk about price point for a second, right? So we actually say like base model 2K, right? But even if you look at the base model in comparison to other computers of that same price, same caliber, I'm I'm actually kind of confused on how Apple's what Apple's I, I'm actually like really curious as to what Apple's profit margins on this device even are. Because they're packing so much punch within such a small frame, right? Add, even adding like the 120 hertz screens and everything. They're packing so much in such a small frame. Like, I don't understand how their price is still so low. Like, just, like even just like three months ago, the laptop in order to get that sort of performance is like, studio is going to be getting all these laptops like just think about how many hundreds and thousands of like small businesses are going to be converting to these new powerful laptops they're banking on like these pros to actually switch to become a pro computer compared to like their previously quote-unquote pro macbook pros from 2016 to 2019 you know that's a that's a really good point you brought up like that the idea that businesses are going to be buying this right because right now like a lot of these businesses they run on windows operating systems right 
The thing is, these new MacBooks, they can do everything that a Windows computer can do, run all the same applications at a better price point, if we're being honest, because they're packing the same amount of performance for less price than like some like like $3,500 like Windows computers, right? So I do, I can see like all of these companies switching over to Apple devices. And, you know, you what I wonder like what kind of like cascading effect this will have on the market, right? Because as you know, like once you buy one Apple product, you got to get into the ecosystem, right? And then all these companies will start like buying all of these Apple products in order to coincide and increase, like better their workflow using these new M1 Pro Macs. So like, I feel like this, this like a few years down the road we're gonna see this computer as a monumental shift within apple's like entire like ecosystem and apple's entire business plan going into the future i think like that's exactly what they're trying to do right it's like initially with their like normal releases like their commercial like quote-unquote commercial uh releases of their products right they've enticed the average consumer to um get into the ecosystem like pretty much like everyone that you meet almost everyone has has an iphone or like at least some sort of Apple product, Apple Watch, iPhone, Mac, whatever, Apple TV, whatever. I think what they're trying to do is target these actual pros now, people who can take advantage of these like more power and they'll buy this 14 inch and they'll be enticed by like the cohesiveness of the ecosystem and they'll start buying the iPhone, the iMac, the iMac Pro or whatever, whatever. They'll start like getting into the ecosystem and that's like business is booming for Apple right now. Like they, they know exactly what they're doing. They're hyper, they're laser focused on what they want to do and they're succeeding at it. Like look at the sheer volume that 14 inches and 16 inches are selling. Like personally, I like the 14 inch better, like just for portability, for portability sake. But like just, it's just the sheer number of like, it's just mind blowing how good they are at targeting their market, right? And you know, you know what's kind of scary to, for me at least, right? Is that when I look at like what Apple's doing, right? It feels monopolistic in a sense without them actually um, like going like compete doing any monopolistic practices, right? They're they're getting so far ahead of the competition where they're essentially forming a monopoly, but in like a legal way because they're not doing anything to hurt their competitors, right? They're just doing everything just so much better, and like. I'm just kind of I'm just kind of scared, right, from an economical standpoint, because at, at a certain point, right, if Apple realizes, oh, like we're so far ahead, we don't need to innovate as much, right? Then I just don't see like how like we're gonna see like major advances, like monumental changes and shifts within like the computer industry, right? Because even like look at the iPhone, like even recently, right, they haven't been doing as much innovation with these iPhones because they realize like there's so much they're so far ahead of the competition and that they have such a big like target audience that want their products that they don't need to innovate as much i just don't want the same thing to happen like i guess with these computers right because if we really look at it right computers run the world right without these computers right we wouldn't have all these technological advancements and all these entertainment sources without such powerful computers so i just really hope like the competition can actually keep up and give apple a run for their money in order to keep innovation going i definitely see where you're coming from Dimas. like you bring up a good point right that like Apple's like essentially monopolizing the computer industry or like basically like consumer electronics industry, right? Of the uh, like iPhone, like phones, uh, computers and all of that. But I feel like the market itself, like this market, like the technology industry is crafted in such a way where innovation trumps like 
brand loyalty to a certain extent, right? Not to like a foot. You can see like brand loyalty is like very, it's like basically how Apple thrives. But if you think about it, like people praise like and like Samsung for their like revolutionary technology, right? Their flip phone, they're like folding phones, they're folding technology. But the one thing that they're missing is that cohesive like integration, that tight-knit integration with all their other products. I think they're getting there, but I feel like that's what's pushing them. Like that's what pushed them to get to their like folding phones and all that stuff, right? It's the fact that Apple did this much innovation first, catch up game to them. And now what they're trying to do, they're trying to like surpass Apple right now. They're trying to get that tight knit integration. That's why if you see in all the new Galaxy keynotes, they talk not just about their phones, but talk about how like how it connects with their earbuds, their even their fridges. Things Samsung has that infrastructure. And they're trying to implement that same like ecosystem that iPhone is like the Apple's trying. I feel like that market itself is crafted like in an economical sense. It's crafted that, in a that way. That is true because like I want to give like quick anecdote right here. Like three weeks ago, I was just talking to my English teacher, right? And like she was talking, I was just talking to her how to like download this app, but it's only Android only, right? She was telling me, right? Like her her cousin actually bought the Samsung flip phone, right? The fold, sorry, the folds, Samsung Z Fold phone, and that. That technology was so enticing to her because she's never seen innovation like it that she was actually like almost like going to switch, like heavily considering switching to Samsung solely because of the innovation. And at that point, she said she didn't care about brand loyalty because of how much like how insanely like different that new phone was due to its innovative nature. So I do I do see where you're talking about how like innovation could trump brand loyalty to a certain extent. Exactly. We're getting to that like. We're getting to that breaking point, that inflection point where like innovation is about to trump brand loyalty. If you like like the common like I've been seeing personally, like through my own experiences, that like people have been like they're not being like blind sheep anymore, just following Apple. Like they're criticizing them, like, oh, they're not the iPhone 13 is essentially the iPhone 12 with a little bit bigger camera and a smaller notch that doesn't even do anything. They're criticizing, they're like they're taking into account that Apple's not innovating anymore. And they're looking like, oh, Samsung, like, like, like you said, with their English teacher, like, oh, they're doing so much innovation. Why isn't Apple doing this? I think we're getting to that inflection point where like things, people are like, it, like companies are gonna start advancing over Apple in some senses, or maybe perhaps not computers. Cause they're like, like light years ahead of them at this point, but like, maybe like yeah. phones, right? Like they've started lacking on phones ever since like, I would say the iPhone 10 is the last monumental change in smartphone technology for iPhone. While Samsung, they've been doing it year over year since iPhone, since their Samsung Galaxy S10. From S9 to S10, S10 to S20, it's been like huge changes. They've like revamped their design, their like their integration with their processors and everything. They, like, they've, been, they've been getting to a point. And I think in the, in the this, like in the close future, we'll get, we'll start to like, experience where innovation is gonna trump brand loyalty. And I look forward like, to it, to be honest. You can even see this like in social media, right? Did you, have you seen that viral, that video that went viral of like um, this guy with the Samsung camera and he was at a baseball game and he was able to zoom in all the way and see the pit, like the pitcher on yeah, the field, like yeah. perfectly clear, right? That, that went viral and people were actually like, oh my God, what is Apple doing when Samsung is able to do this? So I do, I do like that, that point does truly stand. Exactly, exactly, exactly. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode of the Mainframe Podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in for new episodes every Friday. Take care and peace. You are now leaving the Mainframe.